0: Many of you will remember the animated Disney film called Aladdin. Yeah? If you don't remember, the story is about a young man who is trying to eke out a subsistence existence by living on the street, who eventually falls in love with a princess. All Disney movies have that theme, right? Now. Eventually, the the young man is going to find a, a lamp, a magical lamp, which contains a genie. And when he rubs the lamp, the genie comes out, and he's granted three wishes. Now, Aladdin promises that his third wish he will use to free the genie from his enslavement. But he does use those first two wishes to become a prince to try to win the princess's heart. This is kind of an archetypal story, a story in which uh, a wish or three wishes is granted, and it's kind of a fun fantasy exercise for us to kind of play in our mind. What would you pick if you were given three wishes? There's this really funny 1980s Saturday Night Live skit, the holiday season, where Steve Martin in a holiday sweater is kind of sitting on a chair, and the camera pans in, and he says this, If I had just one wish this holiday season, it would be that all of the children of the world would join together in a spirit of harmony and peace and sing. And then he says, If I had just two wishes this holiday season, the first would be for all of the children in the world to come together in a spirit of love and of peace and to sing. And the second the second would be for $3 million a month to be given to me tax-free in a Swiss bank account. <laughs> and if I had three wishes this holiday season, the first, the first would be for the children thing, and the second would be for $30 million a month to me, and the third, the third would be for all encompassing power over every being in the universe. It digresses from there, and it's not appropriate for children, those of you who will look on YouTube later. But it illustrates this type of story. While many of us would choose something altruistic to do, giving the opportunity of having wishes, we would also probably choose some self-serving things. Now, I don't need to remind you this, but God is not some genie in a bottle that comes out and freed, grants us our wishes. And God is also not like Santa Claus, I hate to break this to you, taking our prayer requests and occasionally delivering once a year, wrapped gifts down the chimney. But every now and then, God shows up in our lives and asks us the question, hey, what can I do for you? And when that happens, please be ready with a good response. In our reading from 1 Kings this morning, we hear about the beginning of Solomon's reign as king over all of Israel. Solomon is set up to be a good king, although right away, his character is qualified and that he worships God in the wrong location. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. You see, at this point in God's story, God was to be worshipped in Jerusalem only. And so Solomon is committing a big no-no by offering these sacrifices outside of Jerusalem. The book of First Kings and all the books that immediately preceded in the Bible emphasize the steadfast love and covenant fidelity between God and Israel if the Israelites will keep their covenant to God. By following the law, they will receive blessings. But if they don't, they will receive curses. So at one of these high places, the main one in fact, Gibeon, where Solomon made thousands of sacrifices, God appears to Solomon in a dream, and He asks him, ask what I should give to you. Now this theophany, or appearance, of God is an incredible example of the many times throughout the Bible where the divine breaks into the ordinary. Think of God wrestling with Jacob, or God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, calling out to Moses from the burning bush, leading the people of Israel by clouds of fire, speaking to various angels and other divine figures. As we read through the Bible, These encounters with the living God are so frequent, we would do well to ask, where is God appearing to us today? And so when God asks Solomon what God can give to Solomon, his response may be a guide for our own response and our own encounters with God. Solomon says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. Solomon admits he doesn't have it all figured out, and he could really use God's help through the gift of holy wisdom. Now, by asking for wisdom in the first place, Solomon is demonstrating that he already possesses wisdom. Wisdom, begetting wisdom, is a common theme of the wisdom literature that we encounter throughout the Bible. In Proverbs, we hear, give instructions to the wise and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will gain understanding. Solomon shows his wisdom even before God grants him his request. So this week in in thinking about our time together, I've been thinking about God's wisdom. And I hope you remember that Wisdom is characterized and personified by a feminine person in Sophia in the Holy Bible. Paul reminds us of the difference between knowledge and wisdom. He he comments in Corinthians, we possess all knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, but it's love that builds up. Paul notes that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And in a writing attributed to Solomon himself, we're told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, this word fear here shouldn't connotate worry or horror or that feeling of being scared. Rather, fear of God is rather being in awe, struck in wonder, a sense of being humbled in the presence of the divine, which is so much greater than our capacity for understanding. Wisdom is what helps us to know when and how God is being made manifest in our lives and in our world today. Wisdom gives us the discernment to know how to spend our time and our resources to bring honor and glory to God and joy into our own lives. There is something about wisdom that enables us to live the abundant, fulfilled lives for which we were created and for which God is calling us to. Wisdom is earned by spending time with God in prayer and the study of the Holy Bible and by worshiping God in spirit and truth. Wisdom is the outcome when knowledge and experience come together through the gift of God's grace. Today, we begin a renewed quest For God's wisdom here at St. Michael. Starting at 3 o'clock this afternoon, right here in this space, we as a church are going to read through the whole Bible from Genesis chapter 1 through Revelation 22. Next week and all the Sundays following at 10 a.m., all ages will gather to experience a meaningful dive into the narrative arc of God's story. As a church, We seek to grow in our overall biblical literacy, but the ultimate hope is that as a community and as individuals, through spending this time with God, we will all grow in holy wisdom. How will you answer the question when God appears to you and says, ask what I should give to you? Solomon is by no means a perfect model for leadership. And yet his request for holy wisdom demonstrates that he is already wise. My hope and my prayer for each of us is that we would take the opportunities we are given to engage God and to grow in wisdom in love and in peace. This world desperately needs for us to be wise and to share God's holy wisdom. Amen.